You are listening to Oliver Dixon on the Station of the Year. It is 36 minutes after 10 p.m., 24 minutes at the top of the hour. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Really, really do appreciate it. The International Criminal Court said that they will once again be uh, investigating or probing uh, claims of or instances of human rights abuses and uh, crimes, uh, conf- uh, war, war crimes in Sudan. But I think before we go into the conversation about what those war crimes are today, I think we need to start the conversation around the start of the instability, security instability in the civil war in Sudan and take it right back to the secession be- uh, that we now have Sudan and South Sudan. What's the history behind all of this? And why does it seem to be so relentless and persisting that various interventions into bringing peace in Sudan has failed? That's the conversation I want to have. Nixon Katembo, General Africa's head of the Iki Swahili Services and the Africa Affairs Analyst, joins us right now. Nixon, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. I really, really do appreciate it. Good evening, Oliver, and good evening to SFM listeners. Nixon, take us back to the beginning. Why did Sudan and uh, split and become Sudan and South Sudan? What led to that secession? We know, of course, internal conflicts, but what's the history really? Well, it has been a protracted war since Sudan uh, got independence in, of, uh, in the 1959, from around uh, the early 60s um however um a successive government changed within the context of uh, uh um ethnicity and the kind of re- religious uh, fundamentalism that took place in that and you recall that there was a coup d'etat that was led by bashir in the early 90s 1989 early 90s uh then that ushered in a sort of an Islamic aligned regime uh, uh, of um, uh, Bashir, but also uh, in that the Arab North, uh, majority of, of which are Muslim, were sort of kind of looking down upon the um, uh, majority of the black populations and uh, in sub-Saharan. Uh, what we would call African uh, 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 population of, yeah. of, of, the, of the South. Uh, and these are, uh, these are the reasons why um, the SPLM, uh, Sudan, Sudan People Liberation Army was, uh, was formed. In other words, SPLM, uh, Sudan People Liberation Movement. Mm. Was from the, that was led by by John Garang at that time, but this movement too had some other problem where Khartoum uh, used some of the elements, including the current deputy of, of South Sudan, uh, Dr. Riek Machar, who was used by Bashir's government to fight against the uh, SPLA. But it is under the current uh, president, uh, Salva Kiir, who convinced uh, John Garang to say, no, we need to unite as a people in order to fight. And remember, Garang was fighting 
not just for the secession of the South, but also a, a, a unification of Sudan, one Sudan of which, in which rather, uh, the Sudanese people, Arab uh, in the North mm. and uh, Christian in the South, will live side by side without uh, um, uh, looking at each other or, or discriminating against each other. Mm, mm. But that project actually also changed after the death of, of, of John Garang and uh, uh, dubious circumstances. Uh, he was coming from Uganda and then his helicopter, uh, they say, was shot. But the circumstances under which it was shot has never been highlighted. But uh, this has happened, but you recall now the context of that war change. Uh, when a uh, radical Islam kind of took uh, place in, in, in Sudan uh, with uh, uh, the likes of a cleric al-Hassan Turabi uh, having a sway on uh, the government of, of Bashir. Yeah. And in that context, uh, also harboring uh, Osama bin Laden in, in Khartoum, which led to the, some, some of the bombing that the United States did did in in a, in a, in a in an effort to what the U.S. then said that they were fighting um, a funda- fundamentally Islamic fundamentally terrorism in Sudan, uh, and it's after that fight that um, I mean that bombing that uh, then you the the 1998 bombing of the Dar es Salaam and Nairobi embassies, of American embassies, happened, uh, setting off uh, <laughs> what would then uh, later be seen as a war on terror, including yeah. uh, the war in Afghanistan and then and the, the, the attack on, on the 9-11 in 2000 and so on. So Sudan take a center stage in all of this, but... At the same time, in the Western Sudan, the Darfur region, there was another war that has happened uh, between uh, um, uh, nomads and and uh, and uh, agriculture. Uh, what would be called pastoralists, in other words, uh, those keto uh, herders who move from one place to another. And those who are, who were who were doing agriculture there, so he sort of created a, a, an ethnic uh, as, aspect to to the conflict. But not only that, also killings happened because remember, uh, I have said uh, the ethnicity type of uh, uh, approach to the conflict and the governance. But also in, embedded in in religion, religious fundamentalism. Yeah. In this case, Islam and the Christian uh, South, leading up to the independence. So it's a it's a complex situation that has happened in, in Sudan. But also, don't forget that Sudan is the third largest gold producer on the African continent after South Africa. Ghana, then comes Sudan. Yeah, so it, it, Two, it so the resource also, plays a role there. Yeah, resource plays a role. That's what I'm trying to highlight. And Sudan also have 
uh, some of the uh, oil reserves. Uh, yeah. Would recall that that uh, both South Sudan and Sudan are now are sharing the border around the Abia uh, uh, region and the South Kordofan. Uh, where we are fighting over the, that border, which has not been demarcated, to which part belong to uh, the north or to the south. Yeah. Coupled with that, there's still a movement, a rebel, a rebel movement, which is the uh, SPLM North, that's still fighting the government of Sudan until even when uh, uh, Bashir was uh, toppled. Uh, uh, this this fight is happening in the what what they call the Nuba Mountain in the north. Yeah. So Sudan, in a way, since nineteen since the early nineties, has been at a crossroad. Yeah. Uh, of different rebel groups uh, fighting for 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 some of the issues that I've just highlighted. Either discrimination by the central government, either religious fundamentalism driving a certain ideological standpoint within the governance of Sudan, either outright ethnic ethnic, ethnic uh, differences uh, leading up to the conflict, and above all, also the resource aspect to it. So that's that's in a nutshell. Of course, we can go into greater details on how this has happened, yeah. but also uh, the influence of uh, outside um, players in the conflict in Sudan. Earlier on, I mentioned how the U.S. Um, bombed Khartoum, uh, one of the pharmaceutical companies uh, that was producing drugs. Uh, Medicines there under 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 the, the, the saying that the, the U.S. is saying that they had um, uh, credible evidence uh, that uh, these pharmacies were in Khartoum were being used as a as a as a as a, as a center for terrorism. Uh, to yeah. So that's this is where Sudan comes sure. from. I, I want to then for a moment to focus on the more contemporary part of the story, right? And so what has sparked the new probe by the United Nations uh, into uh, uh, crimes against humanity and war crimes, then very specifically by the HAG as well, the ICC, are claims around the rapid support forces having killed 87 people, of course. The recorded history is about 3,000 people collectively that they've, that they've killed uh, since the outbreak of, of, of the violence since uh, about the, the late 1980s over there. Um, talk to us about the specific history of the RSF. Who leads up the rapid support forces? What are their ties to the leadership of Sudan and South Sudan? And, of course, we know that to be a... a, a a, a you know a outbreak out of the religious uh, and ethnic conflict uh, that that underpins the uh, Sudanese conflict. Uh, what talk to us about then the place and the history of the rapid support forces? Now uh, earlier on I mentioned about uh, the history of of conflict in 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 the in the Darfur region. Yeah. 
and uh, the Darfur region happened such so that when the violence was happening there, the government of Al Bashir created the militia, and that militia would later be renamed called the Janjaweed. Yeah. These are the Janjaweeds that was uh, fighting uh, uh, those who were opposing government policies in that particular region, but also uh, fighting uh, the fighting among very certain groups in there, mm. among the headers and those who were cultivating. And the government used this Janjaweed to sort of set uh, control over the territory in 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 in, in the Darfur region in western Sudan. Mm. And this is where uh, they, they would later become sort of a private uh, army, if I say, and to become a rapid support uh, forces mm. uh, under Bashir. And basically, this is where uh, General... Uh, Dangalo come from, and a lot is not said that this is a, a, a Sudan, Sudanese government's own creation. Now that Bashir was toppled, these generals would later find themselves at a crossroad, mm. vying for power, but also having a different support from the outside. Uh, and the tie to that is the, <laughs> the formation of the Seleka rebels in the Central African Republic, mm. where both are said to have trained in the, in, in, in the Darfur region in order to evade the Central African Republic and get rid of the government of uh, Ange Felix Patase, um, rather François Bozizé at the time. So, you would see that what happened in Sudan had a dire consequences on the entire region. And tied to that is the fall of Bashir. Yeah. Now creating sort of a power vacuum. You see that there were protests, uh, civil societies, uh, doctors, in Sudan, doctors associated in Sudan trying to push for civilian government democratization. But those who were still under Bashir uh, did not buy this, uh, this democratization idea. Mm. And although some governments within the Bashir government were actually uh, put in prison, when the war, this the recent war broke out, some of them has evaded prison. Mm. Even though Bashir was put on trial, but there has not been concrete steps to account, to, I mean, to hold accountable those who committed heinous crime, either uh, under Bashir or even those who participated in the in a, in a in a in a war crime yeah. or, or even in the conflict in 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 Sudan. Yeah. So this is where the power contestation comes from. And interestingly enough, both sides 
are being supported by various external uh, players. Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, supporting uh, uh, the government of uh, General Al-Fatah Al-Burhan. On the other hand, uh, the UAE uh, supporting uh, the, the, the other side, the Rapid Support Forces. But also, uh, of late, we hear that also Russia came into the mix with the Wagner Group, yeah, uh, which we know that is in Central African Republic. So, it's it's a quite a complex. But how did those South both Saudi Arabia and and the UAE come into into the equation? You would recall in the later years of uh, Bashir. He actually participated in a war in Yemen. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, against the Houthi rebels. So that had a repercussion on how the Gulf uh, countries, yeah. mainly the UAE and and Saudi Arabia, came into the equation. But you, re- you remember. Saudi Arabia goes hand in hand with the United States. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I want us to take the conversation to this part, right? Why has the African Union, since Tabombeki negotiated the secession and the split in Sudan into South Sudan and Sudan, why has the African Union failed to be able to negotiate peace uh, and 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 de-escalation? Well. It's because of the various dynamics that I have just uh, uh, outlined. Uh, one of the critical factor of uh, of the war in Sudan is around the issue of the control for power and the resources. Yeah, and that plays a vital role on how negotiations happen. Now, if you want to go and have a proper negotiations, one, you need to be able to have a political leverage over the player. You need to be able to be assertive yeah. over both sides in the conflict. The African Union has failed that. That's why you see negotiations take rather place in Saudi Arabia, then the United States coming in, the threat of sanctions, all these yeah. highlight some of the weaknesses that the African Union have have demonstrated. But of course, it's because of the, the outside influence as well that yeah. the African Union uh, is failing to take place. But before any negotiations, you need to silence the the gun. You cannot talk while fighting is going on. And I think in the case of Sudan, that has been a dismal failure. The question now remains, do you force peace? And how do you force peace if the negotiating te- uh, 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 the the party involved are not coming to the negotiating table. 
just of recent, uh, Kenyan President uh, William Ruto was designated by the, the African Union and eager to lead the negotiating. But you, you and I uh, heard from news that the government of Sudan was not in support and uh, for that reason it refused to participate to the IGAD-led and the African Union-led uh, efforts to try to 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 stop the hostilities uh, uh, under the recent uh, meeting that was held in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Yeah. So it's in this context that the African Union seems to have kind of failed uh, to rein in on the warring parties in Sudan. And so the ICC then seems to want to pursue unequivocally uh, Omar al-Bashir, having, in, having indicted, which seemingly is unlikely to happen, but are continuing investigations and probes of uh, uh, crimes against humanities and war crimes. Uh, is that one way of potentially forcing peace, so to speak, if you can successfully indict uh, some of the warmongers uh, involved that you might be able to silence the gun? You see, the conflict is still going on. And I wonder how the ICC is going to conduct the investigation while the conflict is going on. Yeah. That is number one. Two, there hasn't been an outright victor or an outright loser. In most cases in the world history and in the post-conflict society, most of the time, the history of thereof has been written most most of the time by the victor. In the case of Sudan, there is no losers, there is no victors. Both yeah. are still fighting. But then, you indict one side for having committed a crime and then overlook the action of the other. In this case, the government of Sudan. What is it that's doing? Because both generals really are, are, destroy, are destroying civilian infrastructure yeah. in Khartoum. They are both hurting civilians the proverb you're saying that when two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. Yeah. It's playing out in Sudan. So how then will the ICC investigate and if it is going to induct the rapid support side, don't you think that they will fight until they have a leverage of power to use it sort of a security card per se. We saw this in Kenya, for example, in the post-election violence that happened after the former president, Uhuru Kenyatta, was indicted by and his deputy, William Ruto. But when they ascended to power, the dynamics changed yeah. and the, the cases was quashed. So what I'm trying to say here, Oliver, is that the legal processes are not, are not necessarily uh, a, a measure 
to bring about peace, it might as well antagonize the parties to yeah. continue fighting for their own survival. And that is likely to happen if the case, uh, the case of the ICC, are not well handled. Instead, what could have happened, I think, in my view, is to find the diplomatic solutions to the conflict, reigning on these generals, and find the ways of bringing them together with honest and sincerity, not with interest, mm. because most of those who have been playing into into the negotiating table they either have interest on one side some of which are geopolitical in nature in terms of yeah. the international politics for example uh, Saudi Arabia and, and the United States now are kind of at log ahead in, uh, since uh, the Biden administration and, and, uh, and the press of press bin Salman of Saudi Arabia they are not kind of in a, in, in, in a, in a deep, good diplomatic terms. Mm, mm. And this happened in the context of war in Ukraine. This happened in the context of the presence of the Wagner and the African continent, particularly in Central African Republic. And I just said that both the Seleka and all the, the trained together, and there have been talks of uh, the Wagner working hand-in-hand hand with the rapid support yeah. force. Nixon, we're unfortunately going to have to leave it there. So really, really do appreciate your insights once again on uh, this conversation. The history and the context matters a lot in making sense of this. And we have gotten quite a bit of that. We're going to end it there. It is time for your news. It's a minute after 11.